deceive. I can't see, the lights are off, I can't see any of you. But I hear you, so I think you're there. Um, I'm so happy to have so many guests this morning. I hope that um, today, um, that you, um, did I do it again? <laughs> All right, I preach in the morning, mostly. That's why I'm doing it. But thank you so much. It's so great to have so many guests. Really encourage you um, to fill out those cards if you're a guest with us. We're not going to harass you or email you all th these things for um, till kingdom come. We just want to know who you are. We want to pray for you. And you might get a call from me. I'm the pastor of the church here. My name's Kyle. And um, it's just a great delight to be with you tonight. Just wanna, want you to know, too, if, um, if anyone doesn't have a church already, you're welcome. We normally meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m., and um, we just have a great time. It's very laid back. It's very comfortable. And I hope that, it, that you um, uh, um, have experienced the same thing tonight, um, that, you, that you feel welcome. Um, we love kids. We love our families. You know, so it's a very, it's, we try to make this a very hospitable place for you. So thank you so much for being here. I'm not going to be too long, I promise. I know that we have food in the oven, and um, we have a lot of uh, families waiting for us. Um, I'm going to be about 15 minutes, if you could just bear with me, and then we're going to close with another song. And this time I want to hear you nice and loud at the, at the end. We're going to sing another song. And don't light, it, don't light each other on fire, please. Um, <laughs> pastor Joe Marin, um, he's away right now, but he's one of our, the pastors in our church. Uh, we had a, uh, a service, uh, kind of an informal service this past Wednesday night called The Longest Night. And the longest night is a, is a time during, Chris, the, during the Advent season to sort of reflect, some, for some of us, Christmas is not a very joyous time. We're dealing with loss. We're, we're dealing with suffering. Um, it reminds us of maybe past years, um, tragedies, different things like this, and it can be very difficult for many people. There's a passage of Scripture that doesn't seem like it should be in Scripture because it reads like this. It says, I am the man who has seen affliction. By the rod of the Lord's wrath, he has driven me away, and he has made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer, doesn't even listen. He's barred my way with blocks of stone. He's made my paths crooked. He's pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. He's filled me with bitter herbs and given me gall to drink. So I say my splendor is gone and all that I hoped from the Lord. Wow, this is a very hard and dark text. But we all can feel like this from time to time in our lives. We feel as if life doesn't make sense, God doesn't make sense, and even when I pray to him, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere, like that he's even listening to me. Here, here's a description of what I think can be characteristic of many people, even the most devout Christians, a description of a broken soul. And I, I think that we can identify why our hearts get broken from this passage and what the solution is, according to the Bible, how to heal, how to find hope in life, from the passages that were read this morning by Gabby and Noel. If I can attempt to try to identify what is the source of our brokenness from time to time in life, why our souls can be so tormented, I think that there are categories that some of these fall into. Loneliness, 
which comes oftentimes from the absence of someone we love, so like a love loneliness. Shame, uh, a way that we failed. Um, it says, he shuts out my prayer in this text. He's driven me away. He's feeling lonely. Where is this God that I loved, that I thought loved me? What's happening in my life? He's shutting me out, so we become ashamed. And then finally, we, we oftentimes feel a sense of uselessness in life. What's my purpose? Do I even matter? What's the point of my life, personally? You see, I think when we look at those three categories, <clears throat> love, affirmation, and usefulness, we can oftentimes identify what are the hardest trials that we'll have to endure in life. When we lack love or affirmation or usefulness, our souls can become quite dark. Today's sermon is about peace, the advent of peace. Actually, tonight on the advent calendar um, would be the advent, we're, we're recognizing two, it would be the advent of um, purity, but we're recognizing it as the advent of peace and purity on the, on the advent calendar, and that's symbolized, symbolized by the candles that um, almost got blown out. <laughs> I want to consider specifically, though, tonight, inner peace, soul peace. Why do we get tangled up in knots so often? Why are we so terrified and terrorized and tyrannized internally? Has anyone ever been there? I can't see your hands, but you, you, know, you know who you are. From time to time, <laughs> I heard that. From time to time in life, we carry heavy Right where we can be heavy in our hearts, we can be frightened, we can be lonely, our souls can be bewildered and confused. We have an internal heart war. Amen? Isn't that true? And this because I believe we all need three things. We need love, we need affirmation, and we, and we need purpose. And when any of those three things start to get messed with, we start to feel, we start to feel chaos, emotional chaos, deep insecurity, and, and um, sadness. So we, we seek this sort of exchange where we belong to somebody. I'm yours. You're mine. You're part of us. There's this loving community that we end up in that we, we want, that we're in and we're not out, that we're worth loving. We also want to be affirmed. We want people to be pleased with us. We want people to be satisfied with us. We want people to say he lives his life rightly, correctly, and not wrongly, honorably. But we also want, we want purpose. We want to be important. We want to serve a function. We want to know that we sort of matter in life, right? That we're not just a hot body taking up space. All of these, things, these three things are built in us. And they're very natural and common to want and to pursue. And like I said, when they get messed with, our hearts get messed with. All of our lives, we're looking to prove ourselves in these respects. We're trying to prove that we're lovable, that we're worthy, and that we, we should be applauded, okay? That we, that, we're, that we are worthy of love, that we should be applauded, and that we're useful. And if life should prove to you any otherwise, you will become insecure at the loss of a loved one, a loss of a job, a loss of health. All of these three, three, three things get maybe a rejection, so all of these three things get touched, and our lives start to spiral downward. Friends, peace, soul peace, life satisfaction, and lasting joy comes when we're assured, when we're confident that we are loved to the moon and back, 
that we're applauded, that in other words, someone is proud of us, and actually someone looks at us with affirmation, that they see us as, as fulfilling an important function, a purpose. We need that. We're after it. And I want, you, I want you tonight to think about how you really get that, where it's found. Because I believe that it's found in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and there only. I want to talk about the advent of peace, soul peace, heart peace, not war, not familial types of, you know, strife that we want peace in. Those things are all very important. I'm, I'm talking about the internal struggle, the fight that you have with yourself, because I think we've all been there. The text that we read in the Gospel of Luke reveals to us who Jesus is. It reveals to us the character and identity of Jesus Christ. You know that in the Gospel of John, that's another Gospel in the New Testament, it says that Jesus was in the beginning, that he is the Word, that the Word was God, and that the Word became flesh. The Gospel of John identifies Jesus Christ as none other than God himself taking on the form of a human being. And the reason Jesus did, did, did this was to give you soul peace, to provide it for you. We'll get to that in a moment. He was the Word made flesh. He dwelt among us. So God the Son takes on flesh. He becomes like us, like you and me. He humbles himself by becoming a man. Imagine becoming a snail. Imagine becoming a worm. This is God becoming a man, becoming limited, having a limited knowledge and a limited power. He was hungry like us. He was thirsty like us. He felt things he never felt before as God, yet he was without sin. Here in Luke chapter 2, the passage that, that Gabby read for us in the very beginning, we have a further description of Jesus. And what we see about Jesus in this scene, we've all heard Linus read that script a million times, right? It's the same script in that Peanuts, that beloved Peanuts cartoon. But what you might miss if you're not paying attention is something very important about how Jesus is viewed by God in heaven. And the first observation that we can that we can see here is that Jesus, number one, is loved. Jesus is loved. The presence of God, the armies of angels, are thrilled at his appearing. This is a loved baby. But Jesus is applauded. The angels and the Father in heaven are singing to Christ, glory to God in the, in the highest. So he's getting everything that we need. He's getting it perfectly. He's loved. He's applauded but also his life is filled with purpose. He has something about him that we all need, and without it, we lack. Jesus has worth and purpose. He's called the Savior, Christ, the Lord, in that passage. Behold, unto you is born this day a Savior, Christ the Lord. And we'll not get into all, what all those titles mean. Let's just kind of hang out with the word Savior. He is the Savior. We need to be saved. That means we can't do it. If you need to be saved, that means that you have a lack in your life, right? He's the Savior. He has, a, uh, he has something about, uh, there's something that he has that we need that we cannot provide for ourselves. So what is that saying about Christ? He's competent. He's necessary. So, in, so the Father and heaven and all of the angels, heavenly hosts, are declaring three things about Christ in the same moment. That he is loved, that he is applauded, and that he has extreme purpose. Do you see that now with me? And friends, deep in our bellies, we want this too. We want to be loved. We want to be applauded. And we want to be useful. And how devastating it is to lose 
any one of these or to think that we won't have these things in our lives. We seek this from friends and spouses and parents and teachers and children and more. We tirelessly look for someone to cast a verdict that we have love, that we have purpose, and that we have applause. We're after it tirelessly. I know that's been true of my life. We want the verdict cast like Christ was cast. Let's talk this about, about this a little bit more. Jesus is loved. Our text reminds us that these angels are accompanied by the glory of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest, right? So the, the, um, the angels are, are surrounded by God's glory. And what that means, if that's confusing to you, all it means basically is that God is with the angels. He's present with them. So in the angelic announcement about who Christ is, behold, I bring to you good news of great joy, for unto you this day is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. The, the angels are announcing this, but heaven, God's presence, is affirming it. God is there saying it with them. And all of this as if to say that Jesus is loved, that Jesus Christ is loved to the moon and back. All creation and God the Father loves Christ inside and out. That Jesus matters to the one who matters most. And that's the creator of all things. How marvelous it was for me when I was a little boy, when I, when I heard my dad say, I love you. Great job. I can't believe how good you are at fill in the blank. Isn't that true? That it just filled our cup, didn't it, as little boys and little girls? You see, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is getting all of this perfectly from God. But sadly, many of us grow up without dads that tell us that sort of thing. Or maybe without dads at all. But this child in the manger has a heavenly father that is announcing to all of creation and with all of creation how much he loves his boy. Isn't that fantastic? Another part of the Bible says this about Christ. This is, my this is God the Father speaking about Jesus. He says, this is my beloved son, and whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Very interestingly, what this is saying about Christ is that he is loved not in spite of himself, but because of himself. You ever hear that expression that, that he's got a, a face only a mother could love? Right? All of us, if we're loved, now I might you know, get some rocks thrown at me for this. But if we're loved by someone, we are loved in spite of ourselves, not because of ourselves. Isn't that true? Because we have flaws. We need to be forgiven. We mess up. We stink. All sorts of things that are objectionable to other people. If we have people in our lives that love us, it's not because of us. It's in spite of us. But Jesus is loved because of who he is, not in spite of who he is. Does that make sense? Have you heard that, that, that classic children's song that Mr. Rogers wrote? He said, it's you I like. It's not the things you wear. It's not the way you do your hair. But it's you I like. The way you are right now. The way down deep inside you. You see, friends, the Father in heaven looked at the Son in his obedience to come to this earth, and this is what he announced. I love you down deep inside of you, down deep in the soul of Christ, observing 
all of his actions, all his, all his motivations, and he says, I love you, every part of you, every motivation of your heart, every intention is right, it's correct, you've honored me, you've been obedient in all points. You see, that's only true of Christ, and that's, that is not true of any of us. That's bad news, but it gets better, so hold on. <clears throat> What's more about this? So Jesus is loved, but now Jesus is applauded. We're going to see this. Heaven's armies and God the Father begin to sing to Jesus. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace toward men. See, glory to God, the babe in the major. Give him glory. The word glory in scripture very simply means uh, uh, affirm to him all of his worth. It's like admiring an incredible basketball player or piano player when we start to applaud them because we're recognizing how great they are and all of their qualities. That's what it means to give glory to Christ. All that he is, his power, his grace, his love, um, his sacrifice, everything that Christ is inside and out, give glory to him, sing praise to him. You see, what's happening here is that the angelic armies and God the Father are beginning to crescendo in an applause to the heart and attitude and works of Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? What happens here is that Jesus is getting applauded. His dad, all the angels, all creation applaud Christ for what he's doing. He never sinned. He never rebelled. There was never self-seeking. There was never judging. He never snubbed. He never presumed. What did she mean by that? Right? What did he, why didn't he say hello to me in church? Right? He didn't do this sort of stuff. He was in all points tested, yet without sin. So heaven applauded. But what's most praiseworthy about Jesus? What is the greatest thing that he's ever done? Well, it says in scripture, For you know... It was, not the per it was not with perishable things like silver or gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was received in these last times for your sake. The greatest work that he did for us was to die for sinners in, in his place. A savior died for us in our place. He took the burden of sin, the guilt that we bore, all the shame, all the imperfections, all the snubs, everything was put on him so that none of it would be put on us and that you'd be free, that your sins would be gone and put in uh, what the Bible says is uh, the deepest sea and separated from you as far as the east is from the west. It's gone, never remembered anymore. You see, that's the greatest work of Christ. That's why heaven applauds him. Because he died for us. He died to save us, to rescue us. Isn't that good news? I, I come to you and I bring good news of great joy, the angels announced. And friends, this pastor this morning brings you the same good news. I bring you good news of great joy. In spite of ourselves, God loved us, died for us, saved us, cleaned us, and brought us into his family. And if you simply believe in him and trust in him, You'll have eternal life, life that never ends, and soul peace. Amen? Well, let's keep going. Jesus is also, also useful. Jesus is useful. He's loved, he's applauded, but he's useful. We just kind of hinted at that, didn't we? All of us, I think, daily are trying to prove that in some way, to someone, that we're needed, we're important. Someone needs something that I can offer. 
even if it's I clean really good, right? All, that's all I can do is I know how to mop a floor, right? But, but I can teach someone how to do that. We want to be useful. We want to be necessary. You know, in that Haggai text that Noel um, read this morning, it says that Jesus Christ was the, the one desired by all nations. Now, that's kind of bewildering because when you think about Jesus in our culture, it doesn't seem like anyone desires him. But what I think is underneath this is you don't realize that all of your desires are about Jesus. You just don't know it yet. You think it's about a wife. You think it's about children. You think it's about a, a great function where you can build or be a lawyer or a doctor, whatever it might be. We think we desire these things for those three purposes, right? For love, for usefulness, and for applause. But what we're really after is that from Christ. You see, what we need, all of those things are perfectly given to us when we receive Christ by faith. He applauds us. He loves us. And he announces our worth. He gives it to us. Not our boss. Not our mom. Sorry, mom. She's somewhere. She was a good mom, by the way. <laughs> but that's where we get it from. All of this comes from Christ. You see, Jesus was the most useful and the most necessary person on earth. He is called Savior. That means he needs to save us. That means he is necessary. He is useful. He has something we need. He knows something we don't. He knows the way. He is the way. You see, we all want to be a, some kind of savior, right? I'm going to save someone from, you know, really messing up their taxes. I'm going to come and I'm going to fix it. This is what I'm good at. I'm going to save some, someone from a messy house. I'm a really good cleaner. We, we like to use our usefulness, our gifts, so that we can provide a, a measure of peace in someone else's life, right? I think all of us have that in us a bit. We want to feel useful and important. But Jesus Christ doesn't just provide peace like we desire to provide peace. He's called the Prince of Peace, the ultimate peace, the sole peace that you're after was born in a manger, and that's the good news. He's Christ the Lord. He is the good news that brings great joy. He's that important. Friends, you are that loved. You are that loved. If you want to be loved, and if you want to love like you never have before, I want to introduce you to Jesus Christ, to receive an esteem from him that is beyond measure, and to recognize how important you are, not because you're a, a great plumber or doctor or lawyer, but because God has said so. He has announced it. In spite of us, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. Oh, friends, in spite of it, he brings it to you. That's the soul peace we're after. That's where our tormented souls can find hope. You see, much of our lives, like I said already, we're looking to be loved, adored, included. We're constantly trying to prove ourselves to be honorable. But as it goes, we fall short, and we know we do, of group rules or even our own rules. We can't even keep our own. Isn't that true? No matter what our values or someone else's, we know that we fall short. If I, if I were to cast a verdict on my life, I would not be able to see that 
see that God would be able to look down deep inside me and be pleased. So we know this intrinsically, so we're restless. We try to reverse it, to clean ourselves up. You see, I want to be worthy of love. I want to love. I want to be loved. But my wife left me. My husband left me. So how do I reverse this feeling that I'm not loved? Well, I'm just going to find a new one. Well, friend, can I introduce you to the best one? The King of kings and Lord of lords, the bridegroom who desires to be wed to you for all eternity. You see, the reason you want love is because he is love, and he created you to love him. You're just, we're just a little confused. We think his creation is what can love us most, and it can't. Come to Christ, friend, and get your soul peace. God can't look on our lives and announce like he announced to Christ the things he announced to Christ, so we're restless. So we need to find that babe in a manger, the Prince of Peace. Listen to him here, friends. Listen to what he says. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Come to the Father through me and get everything you've been looking for. Get your sins forgiven. Get love, purpose, and applause. Friends, get that in Christ. We blew it, but he took what we blew on the cross, and we get his victory. We get his purity. We get his righteousness. We get everything. You see, friends, without Christ, oh, this is bad news. We're not loved by God. We're not his friends, but enemies. Our attitudes and works aren't pleasing to him, but they're sinful. But I bring you good news of great joy, for unto us this day is born a Savior to fix that, to reconcile us to the God that we were, we were created to love. And there he is dying for you, loving you, affirming you, applauding you. Come to him. Oh, he's better than family. He's better than sons and daughters. He's better than husbands and wives. He's better than work. He's better than these things because he's all these things. All that is true of Christ is true of you if you simply believe him. Did you hear that? That's the most important thing I said all night. Everything that is true of Christ is true of you if you simply put stuff down and come to him and believe in him. That means if what is true about Christ is that he's loved, applauded, right, and useful, that means you are. You get everything he gets. Come to him, friend. He loves you. He'll forgive you. Everything that has gone wrong in your life, oh, friend, he will satisfy you. He will fill you. And he'll give you a new hope and a new home. Amen? Let's pray.